until we get natural, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Welcome to Bob and Bonnie, the conversation with Bob and Bonnie. Um, it, it's July 28th and we've already had, guess how many minutes of conversation so far? We have had 38 minutes of very good conversation, all of which I had wish I had pushed the record button uh, because it's our desire uh, with these conversations and these recordings to be as authentically or like organically that that these conversations would be made as we're communicating, that there wouldn't be a strong agenda or um, a written script, but instead allow it to form and take shape organically as the spirit moves between um, between us. And then as the spirit moves to your ears, to as you're listening, as the spirit would work through you, um, these conversations early in my time as pastor um, made all the difference in my whole life. Uh, these conversations for three years straight, um, every Tuesday or Wednesday morning, sometimes lasting an hour. No, I did, let me get real. They never lasted just an hour. They were always at least uh, an hour and a half, two hours, and sometimes on the outside, three and four hours. And But every week, and we never had an agenda. We never had to think, okay, what are we going to talk about next week? You know, we never had that. We just came together and allowed our hearts to be open, our minds to be open. So I hope that these um, are just such a an eye-opening, ear-opening experience because I there's something about knowing um, <laughs> and not knowing the end from the beginning. The spirit knows the end from the beginning, but we are the ones who who listen and follow the the leading of one another and allow dialogue for one another. Um, wow. I, I just, I come to this, this recording, um, just really vacant in a good way, open and ready, ready to receive. And I have a little bit of direction. What we, what we've just been talking about is just so good. Um, and I think I should let you know and you, I wonder, I, you have no idea what I'm getting ready to say. Uh, I wonder if you've done any reading on this, but I just came out of watching the movie Barbie with Tamara and Beckett. <laughs> Do you know anything about the movie Barbie? Yes. You do. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard, uh, several things about it and and um how there's even a i'm trying to remember the other movie um and people will go and watch the two of them back to back because they're like so oppenheimer oppenheimer they're such op juxtapositional movies and um and the one the one thing that i happened to read said that um this guy was judging them on their artistic integrity for the directors from the director's positions because they both could have been like one of the top movies for these directors and overall Barbie won 
um, that it did a better job of really highlighting and being the just the right kind of movie for for um, that female director. I can't think of her name. It begins with a W. Um, uh, her name just jumped out of my head. Um, the other one, Oppenheimer, the guy who directed it is usually directs action movies and that it was just they said it was really kind of in the way because it kept getting this action intense sounds like something's about to happen and it's just a bunch of dialogue of watching yeah you know the creation of the atom bomb and it's like sorry I can't I can't wait for you to see both of them because they really are so different. And we've seen them both in the last few days. So we we went to see Oppenheimer three hours long, 180 minutes, man. You've got to right. commit. And it's 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 awesome. I mean, it, it's awesome and it it always when we leave movies, I mean, we just have so much to talk about and just discuss. And then Barbie was no different because it's really um, <laughs> very, very confrontational. Uh, the different audiences that go to see it, I just can't imagine just what it fires up in them. And I think part of what I was saying right before we came on today was I desire deeply, like, like it's more of a, an aching, an aching desire to see the polarizing opposites become one to see peace and and not in a in a surface level way not not in a way that we would oh i don't know uh, all of the the human ways that we think we can make the score equal again the, all right. of the ways that we devise and i could i could use nouns to to describe all of the ways that we have <laughs> up to uh you know with to make things right quote unquote and and that and that definition of what it would be right from you ask you ask a hundred thousand tulsans what would make it right and you're going to get a hundred thousand different answers and right. i think like paul in the letter to the romans in chapter eight, I ache for the revealing of the children of God um, for peace, for true peace without retaliation and without vengeance and without demonizing one or the other side, no matter how long we think one or the other side has been in control and authority and using power over uh, minorities and using power in wrong ways. I just ache for the Christ, the Christ nature, the Christ spirit, the Christ mind to be in the lead in our own thinking, because this right, this right hemisphere, left hemisphere, um, pol still polarizing and demonizing those sides. It, we are not there yet. We're just not, we're not at a place of peace yet. And these issues need to be elevated and they need to be exposed. We need to understand what the issues are and we need to understand our history lest we repeat it again. But we also need to understand our spiritual history and our spiritual identity and that there is another way. 
there is another way right. that, that that goes that, that there's another way much that, deeper yeah right it goes much deeper it's like in 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 um when he when aslan is speaking and he's talking about how there is a the the witch knew a lot of the the, the deep magic she knew a lot of the magic and she was going to take this, take Aslan and, 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 you know, cut his, his uh, beautiful mane off and tortured him. And the demons went around and laughed and then they killed him. But then it says, but there was a deeper magic still that the witch knew nothing about. And what she had actually done, she and all these demonic characters in the book had actually been to free everyone from the eternal winter because there was a deeper magic she did not know about and that's the scripture that is perfectly suited for that where i'm sure had to be in lewis's mind when he wrote that whole portion that's integral into that that first book the line the witch in the wardrobe is um the, the principalities of the world would have never crucified the Lord had they known what they were doing, because when they did it, it was actually their own undoing. They thought they were finally silencing. They thought they were finally killing the seed. The, one, the thing they had been trying to do all along, the seed promised from the beginning, if they could ever stop the, the lineage and cut it off, and make it to where the seed, the promised seed doesn't come, they make God a liar. And if they make God a liar, then that's it. Game over. And because then God's not God. And then he's not holy. He's not completely whole. And then the whole of the universe is undone. But what they didn't realize was that there was a deeper magic. They were actually fulfilling, helping in fulfilling what had already been promised the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, because it's actually when we took we humans and evil, which is humanity undone, unconnected to the father. That's what evil is, is just the lack, the ultimate lack of love. Um, when we gave it our best shot and said, let's destroy him. The father finally sent the son in, in Jesus's parable of the, the vine keepers, the, the, the town with the, the garden that this king had set up and he kept sending emissaries to collect just just a, just a portion of it. He wasn't asking for everything. He just wanted his portion. He set it up. He gave him a home. He built it. He put a wall around it. He paid for all the irrigation. He did everything. These guys are just supposed to manage it. All he's asking for is just send me a, you know, that's how we do it. And instead, everyone they sent, they kept killing. And then finally, he says, I know, the king says, I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect him. And it says, and when they saw him coming, they, they conspired, let's kill him. And then all this will be ours. As if the king is going to just like go, oh, okay, I guess, game up. Um, but again, that's what it was. It was that that undoing uh, of... Uh, everything that was their their ultimate doom um and again it, uh, i'm i'm uh, i'm kind of rambling there and it's not really going to be cohesive to without all the rest of the the the, the out 
um, the interconnectivity of all the other stories. But yeah, God's God's way of making all things right is much older than and and because the what we are doing today, when everybody says it's their fault, it's their fault, it goes all the way back to scapegoating. And scapegoating was in the Old Testament too. It comes under the auspice of the sacrifice for Azazel. And that's where the term scapegoating even comes from. There were at the same time during Passover as they would take the lamb and sacrifice the lamb, there was also the sacrifice of the goat. And most people don't read, most churches don't talk about that. They don't read about that. And it's interesting. I think it's because they don't know it. And it's an even older Passover is a type of covenant, which is old, and most people don't know covenants because we don't practice them in, in, the, in, the, in the West. But what's even older than covenants was scapegoating. And that goes all the way back to the garden. Hmm. It's the woman that you gave me. It's your fault. And, and again, the, he asked the he asks Adam, where are you? Why are you? Well, I ate it. Did you eat of the fruit? Well, it's the woman you gave me. And then he asks her and she goes, it's the serpent. It's everybody's pointing to somebody else for their own shortcomings. He did what he knew was not, he wasn't to do to eat without remembering. He turns, he points to her. She says, woman. And the woman goes, uh, well, the serpent convinced me. And it's like, yeah, and if your husband, my course understanding now is that if your husband would have been watching you and telling you, you're already my representative, you're already my daughter, you're already uh, my avatar here in this realm, you're already a divine connected being. So why would you we, need to do something that, I, I think it's so, I think it's so important <laughs> because this is where the whole the whole uh, everything starts right there in those first few chapters of Genesis. All of the of the human condition is summed up in right. The, right there in those characters. If we can just take it for what it could be and not take it as a as a literal thing, but really see the beauty of the metaphor, the parable of it. Um, I remember I was talking to uh, I remember early, early in my in my discovery of all of these things, I was probably 27 years old. And I was standing in a buffet line next to a, a geologist that lives out here at Keystone Lake. And he and his wife have been together for a number of years. And he's just a beloved um, geologist. And just whenever we would uh, hike together around his property, he would tell me all about the rocks and the things that were in the lake out there at Lake Keystone and, and tell me all the things that were growing on the rocks and things were growing on the trees. It was just this fascinating walks together. And and I, I was just beginning to grapple with, is the Bible literal or is it parable or is it both or is it all, what is it? You know, I didn't even have um, non-binary language in that those days. I didn't have that accessible in my language. I only had either or thinking. I only had either or. It has to be one or the other. It's either true or false. You know, it either happened or it didn't. And uh, recently, just as an aside to that aside, I heard someone say, all stories are true, and some of them even happened. Yes. I love that. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Um, I've heard Rob Bell say that once. I don't know if it was original, but that's, he's one of the ones I've heard say that. 
Anyway, go ahead. I think it's a beautiful I love it. way to say it. All stories are true. Some of them even happened. Yes. I, then I was standing there right. with this beautiful geologist, uh, you know, published in a number of different journals in his field of study and just a really intelligent, beautiful, kind, compassionate, Christ-loving guy. And and I, I was just standing there with my plastic, with my paper plate in my hand, you know, 27, talking to this genius. He, he was 70 probably at the time. And he says, I said, do you think that the creation account in uh, in Genesis was true? And he may have said something first, like, which one, which would have been cl classic for me in those days. Because I'm like, what do you mean, which one? That's, there's only one. There's only one. But he um, he said, don't limit the beauty of those first few chapters of Genesis to only your literal interpretation. It, in the way he said it, in the emphasis and the awe and the wonder that he had in his breath as he said it, let me know that I hadn't even scratched the surface of what those texts were trying to tell us about ourselves and about our relationships. And we're still grappling with, as you just said, this blame game and also the husband covering the wife. And that's something that more recently, I think in the last number of years, you've un uncovered about washing her in the water of the word. And when we took that a step further, because many of the people we talk to um, have all kinds of arrangements of husbands and wives. And so I loved the day when we took it to an even broader understanding of it's when the masculine part of yourself washes the feminine part of yourself. And right. that can be on the inside of you as well as the outside of you. It can be for right. our husband and wife combinations. And it can also be for our wife and wife and our husband and husband. What what? But what we begin to really understand in those days was every one of us holds masculine and feminine within us because right. we're all made in the image of God. Right. Male, female created he them each eve is created in the story it's the type is that she's male female and adam is male female like god that's so cool so, yeah and that only makes more sense and and when we even think about you know our brains and we come to find out that in psychology they even talk about the two hemispheres as the masculine and the feminine the masculine being the more you know more logical section they just happen to call it that because predominantly there are more males that are um that trust in their uh cognitive logic thinking and that comes from again as some uh psychologists express millions of years of having to be out and be the hunters and and the protectors because of their physical strength and they were taking their position and, and the females had their section their duty bearing children and nurturing the children and watching over the children and so they were there and the men were physically out um and had to instantly be able to go oh hear this noise, I know what that means, 
that's this animal. This is how this animal reacts. This is what I need to do. I need to go and make sure that trap is, you know, and, and on and on and on. It's all this lot. And the nurturer is with the children. And so predominantly she is the one who is um, not only the nurturer, but uh, it's, it's brilliant when I heard this too, how, why in most women, um, their brains, the corpus callosum is far more structured, far more active. The corpus callosum is the, the arch that covers the brain that it interconnects the left and the right hemispheres and most females. And the reason is because so many of them, as they're caring for the children, especially multiple children at the same time, they have a two-year-old that they have to treat in a certain way because that two-year-old is, is not understanding division they don't have concrete thinking they don't understand that the things that are theirs is you know not everything in the world is theirs they still that's what they their belief system is if it's here it's mine they haven't gotten to that oh this could be someone else's and this could be mine and so the mother is having to treat this child in a very stern way and and try and say stop stop hitting your sister stop taking and then to the the 13 year old comes up johnny just called me and told me he doesn't want and she's, oh, baby, it's going to be. And so she's going all from both sides of the brain, <laughs> logic side and, the, and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And that's so exercised by dealing so directly with so many children that um, it, it creates this interconnectivity, mm. which is beautiful because it even talks about that's one of the goals is that the masculine and the feminine would become one flesh. It's like one of the overarching themes in scripture that it's us and God become one flesh. Paul said, and remember, it's not even the Bible. Clearly, Paul really believed in in a non-literal translation. He keeps talking about it over and over throughout his writings. He says, remember, when it's talking about for this reason, shall a man leave his father, mother and find to, to take his bride? That was talking about Jesus. He mm. says that. So he's like, guys, it, and, and that also corroborates what I, my belief in how my hermeneutics about the scripture is. I listened to the author. I said, well, the author said, Jesus, um, the word himself said about the scripture that it exists to point to me. So you better be looking at it. Your hermeneutic better be to find me because since I wrote it and I'm telling you, that's why it's here. And I'm telling you, I wrote it all. I had it all written as metaphor so that you'd always be asking. We don't understand. But then when I come, I explain it to you. And so now every parable, which includes all of the Old Testament, everything is written in parable that they might ever be hearing, but never understanding. And so that they might come and ask. That's what's so good that you've come and asked me, what is the parable of the sower? Because if you don't get that, that you have to come and ask me, I will give you, I wrote it, I encrypted it so I can fit for you. You and I, it's written so that I wanted to draw you, you of necessity, your curious brain is going to want to say, Lord, explain this next parable. Explain the husband and wife in Genesis. Explain the masculine and the feminine. Explain who is the serpent. Explain. It's all metaphor so that we would forever be at coming and asking. And Jesus said, and I'm going to send an advocate, another par um, 
paraclete who's been who just like me, who who's gonna show you all things and show you the Father and remind you of everything I said, and it's gonna open up to you what the scriptures mean. So in the same way you came and asked me because it's encrypted, the spirit will be within you, and then you'll need no one else to teach you because you can say, Teach me, what does this parable mean? And so well, and, and when you know, and I think that also we need to take that into consideration because we are then all at the same time showing that we need each other, that we do need one another to to wash and to remind and to nurture and to care and support and and cultivate those seeds that are sown into into one another. So I don't think there's I don't think that even that is literal that 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 is even a literal statement. It's like oh you won't we're trying to get a point across here you don't need the systems of this world to tell you who you are and whose you are or the systems of the world to tell you that you're a part of part of god however i think we do need the the spirit spirit led spirit filled spirit speaking people in our lives to continue to grow paul said that he gave the the, he gave the the fivefold ministry to the body as a carice as a gift It, it it's again um, and again, most of the terms that Paul used then when he explained, you know, evangelists, um, uh, apostles, uh, teachers, didascus, and, you know, uh, 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 apos, apos, uh, the apostles, those are all terms that all those Greek speakers would have instantly understood because they were all servants who worked for the king in, um, back in Rome. And when there was a new city that was just brought into the kingdom of Rome, those were the names of the types of teachers that went to get everybody going, to get them all on the same page. Um, the, the evangelists went and told them the good news and said, you're now part of the kingdom of light, Rome. And then the apostle would come and go, here's how we do things. So this is the basic rules. This is our language. Let me teach you our language. And in Paul, Paul's case, he said it's love. Or the, the, the rule of law is love, to love each other. And so that's Ivanipus 1, Paul said, that comes to explain to you. This is the gist of the kingdom. This is how it works. And um, there's and, and then, but the greatest thing is that there's there's a spirit, and we can lay hands on you, and that spirit will be released, and you you will then have the spirit within you and you can ask the spirit uh, about the father and about the words of jesus and what the scriptures mean and he will remind you of the things that jesus said and so um anyway these are all terms that were just commonplace in those days evangelical that was just the name of a person who professor sometimes even professional people who were they were like runners sometimes and they would they'd hear a message they hear something in an event and they were the first they were like the equivalent of uh, people who are podcasters or people who are journalists today who hear something and then they they run and they get it ready and then they broadcast it to people that would you know journalists we would say isn't evangelist that's it's it's just another term for somebody but again it's good news the difference is that you know most evangelists today that, that journalists I mean are not evangelists they're mostly bringing bad news they're just filling the airways with bad news and and reminding they're not exahomologeusing each other and, and washing each other washing the crowds washing the masses with the truth of the, the love of the father instead they're washing everybody with look at how all these fallen people who are walking in darkness because they don't know the father look at how they're acting well of course paul said why are you pointing it out it's not our job to judge jesus said 
The father doesn't judge. And any judgment he gave, he gave it to me. And the son, then in another place, he said, and I, the son, I don't judge anybody. So, and you shouldn't judge each other. And so, but the church well, I mean, thinks it's I mean, right whole job. I think that is so beautiful I, that, you know, I was considering on my walk this morning about comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and it not being wise. Right. And you know, I think that that, right. that really goes sideline to not judging as well. And even the, the judgment, the comparison, I think really puts us into a space where we're either going to be lesser than or better than. Right. And that is an unwise place to put oneself because right. really the estimation of oneself comes from God's opinion of that self. That is exactly right. And as we it goes back to the thing that we were actually uh, kind of said we were going to talk about, it's righteousness. The Bible has this term, it's called righteousness. We don't really understand what it means really. But what that means is it is ultimately to know what the judgment of God is because the, the judgment of God is throughout scripture. And even in the old Testament, it always said, that's why God kept saying, look, judgment is mine. Vengeance is mine. Judgment is mine. Krenos is the new Testament word for it to, to make a discernment about, about something, to look at it and make a decision, make a discernment. And so Paul's most of Paul's writings, although it's been grossly misunderstood because they, they miss his didactic teaching when he'd say, you guys are saying this. Listen, how crazy this is. You're saying that's the gospel. But I taught you this. And so, and it's all non-judgment. Every, every scripture that people take, especially like out of Romans, and they go, look, Paul was judging people left and right. No, he was telling them, this is what you're doing. You call this wisdom. But that is not God's wisdom. Wisdom isn't to say something contrary to the righteousness that has been given as a gift to you, a position that you are have been made perfect. You are as perfect as Jesus to the Father. And that's what we are to be washing each other with and saying about the world as well, that that's why we are, Paul also said, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation to tell the world that they have been made right, that God in Christ Jesus was making all of the world righteous through the work of his son. That's our job, not to judge people, not to say you're bad, you're this, you're good, you're okay, you're in the middle, you're, you know, some scale. No, it's righteous, you're righteous, you're the beloved of the father. And if we would all stop and say, I'm gonna take, that's what, and Paul also said, it's it's been what's so crazy, the, the word of faith movement had so much of it right about the, the righteousness that we have the woman call to is one of calling things that be as um, uh, uh, that we cannot see as though it were. Well, it, the ultimately, when you look at the context of what Paul's talking about, it's the world, the church that was fall, had fallen and was judging their brothers and sisters according to what they could see rather than what he said. But the truth is that the Father has made them righteous. So I know that it thought you can't see that with your eyes, but you need to declare to them, you're the righteousness of God. You've been made the righteousness of God. You're a son, a child of the Father. So I'm here to, you're, I'm your brother. I'm your, and, and we're here to, to love you and to, to, um, 
to uphold you in that and to remind you of that. And so even though I don't see it with my eyes, I'm not going to look at you as a tree to be judged and see what kind of fruit you have. Again, another misquoted verse that Jesus did say, but he was saying it about the kind of teaching that would be doctrines of demons in the end day. Tell us about the last days. Well, in the last days, there are going to be a lot of people running around, sheep and wolves clothes, and they'll be teaching you that, well, you can judge a tree by its fruit. Only good, good trees have good fruit. And if it's got bad fruit, it's a bad tree. It's like, that's the same verse where Jesus at the beginning of it said, don't judge anybody. It's obvious that chapter is the whole thing is about judgment. And if people would just see, we're not supposed to judge. The only judgment we're to have, the only krenos, again, the word judgment in, throughout the New Testament is actually krenos. It'd be like a judge at a, a pie-eating contest. He's one of the judges. He discerns this is a, you know, but it's the only judgment we're to have is God's, which is you're righteous. You're my child, just like Jesus. I see you as my son. That's what we are to be declaring to the world. You have been through the, the singular work of Jesus, been made righteous. There is a, let me, can I read this one to you? This, yep. I saw this morning and thought somehow it might come in here. Romans 5.19. There is a perfect parallel that we're supposed to be looking at between the two Adams. The first Lord, head of all. All mankind did not listen to the words of the beautiful creation and what they were silently announcing. The creator of all had prepared the garden as an expression of the divine love. Adam did not let these beautiful symbols, placed with intricate precision all around, water his heart and remind himself that he was the reason Abba had created everything. Because he did not listen to the message, though creation sang each time he ate, Filled with a limitless array of flavors and aromas, his heart began to wane. Each morning he arose and never stopped to wonder at the magnificence and splendor and inexhaustible variation of color with each nuanced message declaring Father's love. He began to forget who he was to the Father. No longer remembering love as often as he ate or drank, nor the beauty every time he looked at the signs all around, he fell into a deep darkness. The light shone all about, but his eyes and ears had become no different than one born mute and deaf. We were all born into this family tree with the blind and deaf Adam as its source. He who had been given all authority on the earth, the God of this world, had destined us all as wanderers who stumbled into one another. None of us realizing we were the sons of the beautiful one. But then the one prophesied to the same Adam and his bride Eve long ago, who would come to crush the head of the serpent, came. The father sent the beloved son, who was born with listening ears and seeing eyes. He always knew who he was. He always did what he saw the father doing and followed what he heard the creator lover singing this obedience and right standing that was his he bestowed on everyone as the highest and the second adam of all mm. that's the gospel <laughs> yeah that is so awesome and i'm following along 
in my interpreter's Bible, the new interpreter's study Bible, says the Adam, uh, the Adam Christ topology is expressed in perfect parallelism. Adam's willful disobedience can be rectified only by Christ's willful obedience on the cross. The verbs were made and will be made infer that people are fashioned by the masters they serve, whether Adam or Christ. I think that's still okay to say that we're fashioned by the ones that we serve, even though the truth of the situation is that we've all been made the righteousness, the been made righteous in Christ. If by one man, all were, all sins were imputed to them, then by the other man, all righteousness was imputed to us. How much more have all, and in the Greek, it's past tense. How much more have all been made righteous through the, work of the one and have again all. it's more so if all then the, the how many were made righteous even more than all that fell which is it's like he just wants to make sure that you understand if it's a hundred percent of men well it's certainly all of that and more because it also actually it's the reason it's more is because it extends to the rest of the creation that account has closed and a new account has been opened, but right. it's in the realm of possibility that someone may not understand what account they belong to. They just yeah. their eyes haven't been opened. Right. And, and because that's why Paul said the, the ecclesia are the first called, the first awakened, he called them. So they were their eyes, they were given the gift to first hear and understand so that then they could go out and tell everybody else the truth of who they were and the church has done it right on its head. Now they're running around and going, you're a sinner. It's like, duh, I mean, <laughs> you're a blind fool. Duh. I, I mean, and yeah. your point? it doesn't require any your faith. Job. I don't need any faith for that. The message of reconciliation, not yeah. the messenger of you're dead in your sins because of your father, Adam. Well, we all were. I was like, duh, get over it. Yeah. Nobody can boast. That's the only reason we're all were given a grace, the, the, the freedom and the righteousness we've been given. We can't take credit for it. God gave it to us. It's a gift, a perfect bloody gift that we cannot buy, cannot be purchased, <laughs> can't bribe. You can't bribe God. Oh, my gosh. I um, I this was really this point was really brought home to me on my recent trip overseas. And I I traveled with with my wife, but then also with Sarah Watson, a, a, a beloved friend, a member of House Church. And um, she has different perks on her United Airlines um, profile. She has different she has like where you can cut the line and TSA, you know, go in first and she can cut all the security. And she has different perks and and things that I don't pay for on my own profile. And so she has trouble um working the laptop and trying to make plans and get reservations and stuff but i don't have that trouble so um she had perks that i didn't have and i had skill that she didn't have so when we made our reservations together um i was the one at my laptop doing the reservations in our names but using her advantages for for right. this reservation 
So when the ticket came out, when our passport or when our um, boarding passes were issued and so forth, it showed that we had a reservation together. It was her and me together on one ticket. But I was of the mindset that I don't have those advantages because I didn't pay for them. I don't pay for that, uh, go around the big long line and go and get into first class. I don't pay for that. That's her. So we came to this place in Brussels. We were in Brussels, Belgium, and uh, we were checking our bags. And there's there are different stipulations for people who pay for what she pays for and people who pay for what I pay for. And so I was acting at the counter as if I were a person who only pays for what I pay for. And the woman looked and she said, is your right. name Bonnie LeBoc? And I said, yeah, my name is Bonnie LeBoc. She said, oh, well, are you on the same ticket as, as Sarah Watson? Yeah, I'm on the same ticket as Sarah Watson. Well, uh -huh. then, well then you get all the advantages that Sarah gets. <laughs> and I, I said, wait, what? But I don't pay for those. She's like, doesn't matter. You made your reservation together. So you get to. Get Sarah's <laughs> credit. Yeah. That's right. And so That's all the way through, the all ah! the way through in all of the different checkpoints, I had to keep being reminded that I was a part of yep. Sarah's group, not right. a, just on my own. I'm not just on my own because at certain times I go. You were riding on Sarah's name. I'm riding on Sarah's name. So I get to go to the Polaris Lounge, okay? We get to go to the lounge where you don't have to pay for anything. In the Polaris Lounge at the United, United Airlines, you walk in, you put your stuff down, and you ask for what you need, and you never have to pull out a card to pay for it. It's all included. It's a really fascinating experience that people that aren't used to traveling that way, and there are hundreds of thousands of people that travel that way. That have right. that kind of They're in the know. And they know what it's like. And it's like, uh, any, anyway, that really. They're ecclesia. It was driven home to me. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's just people that that know and don't know or that people that are included by a grace. Because I, I was definitely included by a grace because I didn't pay for it. That particular right. membership or whatever you call it. See, I don't even know how you call it because I don't, I don't pay for it. But. It was a beautiful experience to go from, from checkpoint to checkpoint and to be reminded, just like we do every time we're together. I want to remind you, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He leads you beside the right. waters and restores your soul. I want to remind you that it's God's peace that fills you completely and not just halfway. I want to remind you that it's God's strength that comes to your aid, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I want to remind you because we travel sometimes not knowing who we belong to. And right. I just, I just think that's probably the, a beautiful way. I want to continue talking about the, the uh, topic of, of righteousness and the judgment as we continue going forward. But I think that's about all for today. What do you think? Yep. That was, that felt, that felt pretty good. I felt pretty good. We were always trying to get to that geyser. That we'll, let, we'll, let, we'll let, the, let the public tell us if we, if we did good explaining it. <laughs> If we didn't tell us, say, tell me more about this part. That didn't make sense. I don't understand where that came from because there's so much. It's again, it's so foundational. Paul kept saying, there's so many things I want to teach you and things you've been asking me. But until you get righteousness as a gift, that's the milk. It's the prerequisite to everything else. And it's what just like with mother's milk, it has 
colostrum is that what it's called so, in the yeah. milk when and, and for for a little baby um it's even yeah i think that is the very first yeah. the first of the first milk and it's got all this download of enzymes and and bacteria and everything it sets your body and your your immune system for life literally and so that's why the church has got so much turmoil because they don't get that righteous it all starts with you've been made righteous before you did anything you were you're already made righteous you are just like jesus you can run to the father anyone on the planet and say abba abba and the spirit will confirm that to you um and so it's the beginning of everything. It's the open door. It's how it all starts. That you're already you're already the, a mature uh, been proclaimed by the Father as if you're a, the mature Son Jesus. And mm -hmm. so that's then the foundation for everything else we build on. That you start as the winner. You start as the victor. That's why it says you're more than a conqueror because you're already starting off. You're starting the race as already having won. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And we, I think I love that download of enzymes and nutrients and we continue to, to need that until it's just, this is who I am. This is, this is right. who I am. And this is, I already know that this is who I am. I've just got to rem remind myself and convince that that's where really the renewal of the mind comes in is to right. remind ourselves and make ourselves the truth and remind ourselves that we are, we are who God's opinion says that we are and not because of our own good works or our own merit or our own achievements in this life, but it's because of who God says we are. I do wish you our peace, our, our, our family that is listening. We wish you our peace and, and send you our peace and may that peace that passes all understanding guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus until next time.